It's the May 31, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And... Yeah, <laughs> as always, serious. a true never trumper, <laughs> Mueller, the fake news dog. <laughs> oh, Mueller, that's why I love you so. Coming up, yes, radioactive coffins, molecules of U.S. freedom, Facebook, <laughs> or should I say, fake book, <laughs> ah, insect aliens, and more. But first, would you like some CBD, Mike? During the show, uh-huh. <laughs> I usually do that. Kind before. of a die-all. <laughs> yes, I, I, I a would. A little drop. It's a little like, drop. Kind of mellow you out yeah, a bit. Yeah, just on the drop on the tongue would be, okay. you know, yeah, nice. Right. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. A new study found you can grow brain cells even when you're 90. <laughs> yeah. You can take it up <laughs> as a hobby, yeah. growing brain cells. That's becoming more and more relevant. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder if you need any fertilizer. Oh, I think so. And even if you have Alzheimer's disease, you can grow brain cells. Uh, this is a little scientific twistaroo here because they figured that the knots screwed you up with the Alzheimer's knots and tangles. Right. But instead, a new study found that they can grow these brain cells. Researchers looked at the postmortem brains of people aged 79 to 99. Mm-hmm. They targeted markers for two kinds of cells, neuroblasts. Those are stem cells that would one day give rise to neurons, a cell that carries electrical impulses. Mm -hmm. I got it so far. And immature neurons in the hippocampus, the brain area that's most affected by Alzheimer's disease. People who died without Alzheimer's had whole bunches of both kinds of cells in their brains. But people with Alzheimer's, not so many. Okay. People who scored higher in cognition during their later lives had more neuroblasts in their hippocampi, in other words, these active firing cells, compared to those who scored lower. This was independent of the level of degeneration that was visible in the brain. Hmm. It's long been known that a person's level of brain gunk, that's the uh, plaques and tangles of Alzheimer's, doesn't always correlate with their cognitive symptoms. So it's possible that the level of neurogenesis In other words, not as many firing neurons matters as much or more than the amount of plaques and tangles. They kept measuring plaques and tangles and saying, you got Alzheimer's. Yeah. When what's happening or might be happening is you're not firing off as much. Yeah. The plaque is there, but as long as you're firing, you're going to be all right. Which speaks somewhat to the idea that you can stave off the effects of dementia through exercise, diet, the things that yeah. you control, which stimulate you, stimulate your brain. That's known, exercise is known to stimulate your brain. Keep, yeah. keep the body moving. Keep moving. Yeah. And that, in fact, will be a, a huge factor. Yeah. Keep yeah. the body moving, Mueller. That's right, Mueller. Speaking of moving, your body. Mm-hmm. You ever climbed a mountain? Yeah. yeah, I climbed a mountain. Are you talking scaling with the with the picks and the and the? No, just no, a okay. mountain. I've, you went up a I've mountain. I've hiked up a mountain. I wouldn't yeah. call it climbing, but yeah, Where exactly. about? Mammoth. Mammoth. Yeah, when I lived in Mammoth, was that your goal? Well, it was it was something to do in the summer when there was no snow on the mountain. So yeah. I hike around up there. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, done it. Mountain. Yeah, and that's that's uh, I think uh, over eight thousand feet. It's not 
Mount Everest. Well, on you didn't yet. start at zero feet. Well, no, we started about six thousand <laughs> yeah, yeah, feet okay. and hiked up two thousand okay. feet. Yeah, let me sure. <laughs> Four people died trying to make the summit of Everest. You know Mount Everest, right? I do know yeah. you. You call it Everest. I yeah, that's a new pronunciation. Is that well? I say you know that street in Irvine called everybody calls it Michelson. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Mickelson. Okay. It's named after a guy named Mickelson. And he's being, what? Defamed? Defamed. <laughs> People keep calling it Michelson. It's like, I called you Mick Yeah. when your name is Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there, let's step outside. Yeah. It was named after Sir George Everest. Okay. I, this I just is want new. to set the matter straight here. Yes, this is why we're here. Because of commercialization and tourist climbers, the line to reach the summit at Mount Everest is longer than the line at the DMV. Have you seen those photos? <laughs> yes, I have. It's crazy. It is not. Well, what is so amazing about it is that photo is taken at over, I think, over 20,000 feet. Yeah. These are dangerous conditions. Yeah. Not only is there little oxygen, but you could slide off the side of that hill very easily. And so to have Slide. that, well, fall. Plummet. Plummet. <laughs> Plunge to your death yeah. off the side of that mountain, yes. Meanwhile, a hotter climate has been unearthing dead bodies. Yeah. Oh, Snow is melting and bodies are surfacing, said Mr. Sherpa. I think they've made up that last <laughs> they name must for this have. Mr. Sherpa. <laughs> Mr. Sherpa. Unless it's kind of a cool nickname. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Or he's done it so many times. Yeah. He doesn't really know <laughs> who his parents' names were or his grandparents' names yeah. were, but they're all Sherpas. They're all Sherpas. Yeah. yeah. So what the heck? Mr. Sherpa has summited Everest 24 times, a world record. <laughs> Finding bones has become the new normal for us, God. Mr. Sherpa said. No. In the last six decades, 300 climbers have died trying to summit Mount Everest, and more than 100 bodies may be frozen on the mountain. That's a lot of dead bodies there. The climate crisis is rapidly melting the mountain glaciers and in the process exposing bones, old boots, full and partial corpses of climbers doomed by dead balls and dead weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's... There's yeah. an open debate about whether to remove the dead bodies or leave them there. It's very dangerous to remove remains from the top of mountains. A frozen body can weigh over 300 pounds. Jesus. Yeah. So you're lugging 300 pounds with you, and it's high altitude, and you've got all your equipment. Yeah. Wow. That's no good. Wow. And bodies aren't the only things we leave behind. No, we, there are other material that yeah. we leave behind as this well. This year, volunteers collected more than 20,000 pounds of trash, plastic bottles, old ropes, tents, food tins from Mount Everest. 20,000 pounds. That's about well, four tons. Up, That's, about, month. Yeah. That's about four tons. And they only let about... 1,100 people a year? That's sort of been Tibet's level. I think it's I, around 1,100. They're making money off it. Yeah, they are. I think monetizing it's... Monetizing this It's thing. about three grand... And every uh, jackass is going up there. Three grand a, a pop. I had a friend who went up there about 10 years ago or something, yeah. and he's telling me like I'm supposed to be impressed. There you go. And you're going, I guess it's a tourist thing. It is a tourist thing. It's like safari. White guys from Orange County who want to go on a safari. Yeah, A mutual acquaintance of ours who ran for Congress told me he was going to do one of the less. I'm not, not to the, yeah, he told me. And he, yeah. he told me it was going to cost 10 grand to do well, it. Well, yeah. They hold yeah. your hand and cook your food. They cook your food, get yeah. you over there and all that stuff. He's, anyway. 
Well, when they went up there and picked this, uh, all the trash up, yeah. it was billed as an opportunity to remove bodies, too. So, you know, you pick up a plastic bottle, a little extra rope, and a head. <laughs> Meanwhile, scientists warn that even if the world's most ambitious climate crisis targets are met, one-third of Himalayan glaciers will melt by the end of the century. <sighs> Here's my idea. Okay. Zombies on Everest. <laughs> oh. And we can get Mahler in the movie. Jordan Peele? Or how about Jermaine Clement? Oh. Yeah, Jermaine Both Clement. Of them. Yeah. Together. I yeah. think they together I think they make one hell of a movie. Do you remember the Marshall Islands nuclear test? Can can Mike? I just say how we get Mahler involved? What? Mahler is the one who's biting them that turns them into zombies. Yeah. So, oh. so he's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mahler, yeah. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I liked it too. You know those Marshall Islands nuclear tests? Remember those guys? <laughs> well, now, for people who know, I don't remember it. I'll but, explain everything. Uh, well, about just one second. You've seen anybody who's ever seen file footage of gigantic atomic bombs going off. Uh-huh. It's this very, very strong likelihood that you are watching the incineration of part of the Marshall Islands. Yeah. My friend's father took a lot of those. He was oh. in, in the service at that time, a photographer in the service. Yeah. And they, they strapped him onto an island out there with a bunch of other guys with their cameras and pointed him in the direction <laughs> of the blast. And they just said, look over there. Yeah. Point your camera yeah, over there. Right. <laughs> We're not going to tell you why. So like, they're like taking the photo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're behind all these yeah, barriers yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right, right. But, but they noticed that the horizon had lifted a little bit because their cam- they thought, well, maybe our cameras fell down a little bit down no there was a tidal wave coming at them oh yeah God. yeah that's what happened there anyway yeah the united states conducted 67 nuclear weapons tests from 1946 to 1958 wow. yeah on the uh, up till then pristine marshall islands atom bombs hydrogen bombs you name it you name it the most powerful test was the bravo hydrogen bomb in 1954 which was a thousand times more stupid than the one they dropped in Hiroshima. Yeah. And now it's possible that the temporary coffin of nuclear waste is leaking into the Pacific Ocean. So they so, built this gigantic yeah. cauldron yeah. and on, put it on, on Marshall Island to put all the radioactive... Yeah, they used an old crater yeah. from one of the bombs that had exploded <laughs> there, and then they, they put some uh, hefty bags on the bottom. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to be sure it didn't leak out. <laughs> That's Because it was right. going to be... It was gonna be Temporary. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding about the FD bags. No, I but you're not that did. far off. Because on top, they did build a uh, or, or put 18 inches of concrete. Right. And then underneath, God Looks knows like volcanic what. rock. They, yeah. I think they there was an assumption that this would never, ever be a problem. And now it's possible that the temporary coffin they built, this radioactive coffin of nuclear waste, is leaking into the Pacific Ocean and could crack wide open in the next storm. It's leaking one of the most toxic substances in the world, the radioactive isotope plutonium-239. 239, a byproduct of nuclear bombs that decays with a half-life of 24,100 years. Yeah. Takes that long. For half of its potency to go away. This is one of those things where uh, this is the hubris of what we were doing back then. The United States, until the 60s, was testing nuclear weapons above ground. Yeah. They were blasting them yeah. into the South Pacific area mostly, but also in Nevada. Also well, the in... sky lit up in Los Angeles when they tested them. So for people who think, oh, that's something from a million years ago and uh-huh. it does not relevant today, the fact of the matter is 
nuclear weapons were being detonated in our world up until the 60s by the Chinese and also by the Russians as well. In 1977, the United States worked to clean up the radioactive waste across the Marshall Islands. 73,000 cubic meters of the soil was collected. Now, the Marshall Islands split from the United States in 1983. They want to be independent, and now they're completely responsible for cleaning it up themselves. So this was one of those had, agreements where yeah. it's yours now. And now the dome is cracking. The yeah. local government is afraid it might split apart. They don't have any money. And the groundwater models that they made up suggest that seawater is almost certainly inside the crater. Right. So we got San Onofre over there, right. except a lot worse. Well, and I'm just going to fold this into a, a more recent nuclear disaster and how it's impacting the Pacific Ocean. Fukushima continues. A couple of these reactors are still under the threat of some sort of meltdown. They're circulating millions of gallons of water through there to keep those reactors cool. That water is going back out into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. It's radioactive. So we have a situation where the Marshall Islands may be an impending nuclear disaster for our oceans, and we continue to manage the situation at Fukushima. If this news frightens you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to ease your spirits? Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech, KUCI at 88.9 FM. Just go to KUCI. .org, org to make your donation now. Give us some money. Please. Please. The UN General Assembly voted overwhelmingly to demand that Britain end its colonial administration of the Chagas Islands, which include the U.S. airbase on Diego Garcia. That's another island there. The UN wants the islands returned to Mauritius within six months court said Britain had unlawfully carved up Mauritius while the Chagas Archipelago was a part of it in 1965 when Mauritius was a British colony. Britain says, no, no, the islands were never a colony and it's not in our plan to give the islands to Mauritius. A little bit of history here. Britain evicted about 2,000 people from the Chagas Archipelago in the 1960s and 70s so the U.S. military could build the air base on Diego Garcia. Yeah. The U.S. Navy calls the base the unsinkable aircraft carrier. It's one of the most important military assets in the world. It is. In the 1991 Gulf War, B-52 bombers took advantage of the site's very long airstrips to drop bombs on Iraqi troops 3,000 miles away. Yep. That role has expanded greatly during the endless wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. It's also the launch point for counterterrorism missions on the Horn of Africa and anti-piracy operations off Somalia. Last year, Mauritius signed on to China's Belt and Road Infrastructure. Yeah. And this is where it gets interesting. Because yeah. China's Belt and Road Infrastructure is huge. That's how they're going to take over the world, That's Mike. exactly what they're doing. Well, they're building their economy, and they're thinking of themselves as an empire, yes. as, as we do. Yes. Signing agreements with a lot of countries, and so they have more access to ports. And port to cities. the resources yeah. as well. Instead of sending the Marines in, to take over a country or overthrow a government, yeah. they are paying off the government. So that's a huge commitment by Mauritius to China. So the UN vote on this territorial dispute here uh, was more than just that. It pushed Mauritius deeper into a Cold War between Washington and Beijing. Yes. Yeah. 
there is no way in the world the United States will give up that base. Oh, yeah. There's no way. Uh -uh. This is really, in many ways, the linchpin for any kind of altercations that we're going to have in that part of the world, especially now that we're ramping up our military presence in Africa, all around Africa. In the week that Theresa May announced that she would step down as Conservative Party leader and prime minister because she had failed to find a way to leave the European Union, populists and nationalists who don't like the European Union got a boost in the EU elections, but it was not as big as expected. They got a little bit of a gain, but not as much as we feared. Mm -hmm. yes. But they got around 25% of the 751 seats, up from 20% five years ago. But a higher-than-usual turnout suggested that pro-European voters were also more motivated than before, too. Yes. So you got more division over there. With more of a voice in Parliament, populists and nationalists are going to try to push harder on issues like controlling immigration and the budget, and they'll try to stop the plans of pro-Europeans pressing for more power to go to the nations instead of joining the Union. Right. In France, the vote results mean a difficult time for President Emmanuel Macron, who is open to European integration. This was a big deal. Uh, this is an attempt, and I don't think it's even a secret anymore. Russia has been doing all they can to influence the democratic processes in Europe, and this was a tactic in order to introduce these kind of anti-immigration, pro-nationalist guys in order to not win. They didn't expect to win a majority, but they expected to get about a third of the vote, which would have given them sort of veto power over the European Parliament, and it would have essentially paralyzed this as a functioning body, yeah. which is what they've done here in the U.S. by electing Trump. They've paralyzed our ability to govern. Macron's slate for the European Parliament was narrowly defeated by the National Rally Party of Marine Le Pen, yeah. who's a critic of the bloc and a jackass. <laughs> in Germany, where turnout was also high, the Greens rocked. Go Germany. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Becoming the main party of the left, while the Social Democratic Party did very badly which may prompt the party to leave the uh, existing coalition that they have. The largest party, the governing Christian Democrats, that would be uh, Angela Merkel, Angela. also lost some ground, while the far-right populists got about 11%. In the European Parliament, with the decline of mainstream parties and increased fragmentation, for the first time in 40 years, the center-right and center-left will no longer control a majority, both lost ground with centrist liberals, greens, and populists all gaining. Britain was a special case. Given its plans to leave the European Union, the election was seen more as a judgment on the two parties, the governing conservatives and the opposition labor, rather than any continental issue. Right. The results looked to be a disaster for both main parties with a victory for the new Brexit party of Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage is a Russian stooge. He took money from well, the Russians, but he is. Well, he's a Russian mafia stooge. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He's not taking money directly from Putin. No, of course like not. That. That's yeah. not the way it works. And but. he he's not a bright man. No. He's a he's, self-interested he's, goofus. He's their Donald Trump. Yeah. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, on Twitter at KUCIFM, on Instagram at KUCIFM. Stream us live on TuneIn or on iTunes. Go to Internet College University, KUCI 88.9 FM.
Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting story here. This Thomas Hoffeller. It was reported that Thomas Hoffeller, a leading Republican strategist who died in August, left a bag of computer files stashed away at his home containing evidence that could turn a Supreme Court case. Hoffeller was the Republican Party's master of gerrymandering, the architect of partisan political maps that cemented the party's dominance here in the U.S. In other words, they jacked around congressional district until they could control a state and the federal government. But after Hoffeller died last summer, his estranged daughter discovered hard drives in her father's home that revealed Hoffeller played a crucial role in the Trump Republican administration's decision to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census. So as part of this effort to continue the gerrymandering of the country and also suppress voter out. Well, he played a role in the gerrymandering that's happened so far and future gerrymandering. Files on those drives showed that he wrote a study in 2015 concluding that adding a citizenship question to the census would allow Republicans to draft even more extreme gerrymandered maps to screw the Democrats. And months after urging Trump's transition team to tack the question onto the census, Hoffeller wrote the key portion of a draft Justice Department letter claiming the question was needed to enforce the 1965 Voting Rights Act. That was a bunch of crap. The rationale the administration later used to justify its decision. The disclosures represent the most explicit evidence to date that the Trump Republican administration added the question to the 2020 census so they could advance a racist agenda. Yeah. That's pretty much it. In the Supreme Court arguments in April over the legality of the decision, the Trump administration said that the benefits of obtaining more accurate citizenship data offset any damage from not including minority groups. In other words, they thought they'd get more information. That's a bunch of hard crap, too. They just wanted to shut out minority groups because minority groups tend to vote for Democrats. A majority of the Supreme Court justices seem to accept the department's, the Justice Department's explanation, or Hoffeller's explanation. Right. The question was needed to enforce the Voting Rights Act. The justices are expected to issue a final ruling before the court term ends in late June. So this screws the pooch. In, I in hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. Yeah. Because what will be exceedingly depressing and anxiety-inducing is if they have this in front of them. Yeah. And it is a prima facie case that what there's... A partisanship. A partisanship. And yet I fear the court will still rule in the wrong way. Because that's the court we have. Yeah. Kind of frustrating. Yes. Merrick Garland. (laughs) Yes. Merrick Garland. Thank you. Instead of we got Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. You ever notice that Trump is always saying the Democrats are getting nothing done in Congress? Yeah. You ever notice how he says that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how he's accomplished more than any other president ever? Yeah. Well, he's full of crap. (laughs) He's full of (laughs) crap. House Democrats have taken up 51 bills, resolutions, and suspensions since January and passed 49. This includes a slate of bills to attempt to end the longest government shutdown in history, the result of a protracted fight between Trump and Congress over border wall funding. House Democrats have passed a wide range of bills since they came to power in January, from a sweeping anti-corruption and pro-democracy reform to bills to save net neutrality, establish background checks for guns, and put the United States back in the Paris Climate Accord. They also passed bills on health care, 
a defining issue of the 2018 election after Trump and the Senate Republicans attempted to pass a bill to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Democrats have focused on bills to lower prescription drug costs, protect pre-existing conditions, and condemning the Trump administration's legal battle to strike down the Affordable Care Act in the courts. Last week, Democrats tried to present Trump their infrastructure plan before he walked out of the meeting. Yeah. And he's the guy saying that Democrats get nothing done. He's the epitome of getting nothing done, except enriching the rich. Yeah. This week alone, they passed nine bills, Democrats did, on veterans' issues. Much of this agenda is sitting in the Republican-controlled Congress, where they're doing nothing except electing judges. Yeah. That's Mitch McConnell's thing. In fact, Mitch the bitch actually calls himself the grim reaper of Democratic legislation. Called himself that. His job is to legislate. His job is to, if at very least... That's what you do in the Senate. ...try to find common ground with the opposing party in order to benefit the United States of America. The people! The people. And by the way, this is a small complaint, but it's... Thank you, Mueller. But I think it's important to say... I don't think the Democrats say enough about this. You watch Fox News and the Republican, whatever they are, House of Representatives or Senate, they are constantly repeating the same mantra, whatever that message of the day is. You watch the Democrats on MSNBC or CNN, and they will not. They don't do it. The few things House Democrats and Senate Republicans have agreed on are disaster relief, reopening the government after the shutdown, a resolution to end U.S. involvement in the Yemen war, a bill to protect public lands, and a resolution disapproving of Trump's use of emergency powers. Meanwhile, in a display of Republican know-how and idiotic adjectives... Two Trump Department of Energy officials were talking about natural gas and used the words freedom gas oh my God. and molecules of freedom. So it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't no. an attempt to be ironically postmodern no. funny. They actually meant it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll read them uh, here, okay, what here they actually go. said. Department of Energy Assistant Secretary of Fossil Energy Stephen Weinberg said... With the U.S. in another year of record-setting natural gas production, I am pleased that the Department of Energy is doing what it can to promote an efficient regulatory system that allows for molecules of freedom to be exported to the world. The other guy, U.S. Undersecretary of Energy Mark Menezes, Menezes, I don't know how to say this, uh -huh. Menezes. Close enough. Sounds like I'm not saying it right. M-E-N-E-Z-E-S. Yeah. Menezes. Menezes. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to. Anyway, Mark said that increasing export capacity for a natural gas project, it's critical to spreading freedom gas throughout the world by giving America's allies a diverse and affordable source of clean energy. Yeah. Can we just deconstruct that for a second? First <laughs> yeah. of all, it's not clean energy. Right. It's, it's not. You want clean energy? We got it. Yeah. We're working on yes. it. And freedom gas, please. We want energy independence. Yeah. Gas is not giving us that. Yeah. Sun power will. Yeah. That'll give us independence. That'll give us freedom. Right. We'll be dependent on other countries for our gas. Yeah. It is slave gas is what we have here. It's, Servant gas. It's, without being melodramatic, it's death gas. Well, that too. It's life-choking gas. Yeah. 
And we're not talking about your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving either. So, yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mahler's got a crazy uncle. It just sets him off. Yeah. Apparently, freedom gas might have originated with Department of Energy Secretary and Dancing with the Stars contestant Rick Perry. That's, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The brainiac that's in charge of the Department of Energy yeah. who doesn't know that they are also in charge of nuclear weapons. Yeah. He didn't know that. No, I remember I, that. I'm yeah. not sure he even knows it now, to be yeah. honest with you. I don't even know. Did you see that slow down Nancy Pelosi video? Yes, you I did. That? Yes, I did. Yeah. Unlike deep fakes, videos were uh, where people do or say things that didn't actually happen. Yeah. You know, they, this they is the manipulate this is the new a thing. face yes. and, and sync some sound in with it, and that's a deep fake. Nancy's video was not a deep fake. It, it was just an alter. We could do it at KUCI. Right. You keep the pitch constant, but slow the voice down, slow the video down, and you, you got somebody that sounds a little bit drunk or kind of slow, dim-witted. Right. Like uh, I do, like most of the time here on uh-huh. Weekly Signal. Many news outlets called this Pelosi video fake. Others called it doctored or distorted. It was originally posted by the Facebook page Politics Watchdog, viewed millions of times, and collected snarky comments about Pelosi from viewers who didn't realize the video was manipulated or did and just wanted to shoot off their mouths. It's hard for us to respond or even to report on this because talking about it gives it more hits. Yes, that's true. But ignoring it risks this lie to travel around the world. Right. It also normalizes it so that as we enter into a new election cycle, we will be facing deep fakes on a regular basis and they need to be called up. Now, YouTube removed the video, but Twitter and Facebook did not. Facebook's vice president for product policy and counterterrorism, Monica Bickert, spoke with Anderson Cooper. You know that guy, right? Yeah. The gray haired guy. He's gray haired. I'd say white-haired, but yes. White-haired? Yes. I don't... Do you have white hair? I think it's white. It's a shade of gray. All right. It's not actually white. All right. Okay. Well, I'm not actually white. I think, I think I'm, it's... I... <laughs> I'm pink. Okay. She's talking to Anderson Cooper to explain why Facebook hadn't removed the Dr. Pelosi clip. Cooper asked Bickert, can Facebook claim it's committed to fighting fake news while it's still hosting and amplifying a doctored video? Okay. And Bickert said that Facebook doesn't have a policy against misinformation and said, we dramatically reduce the distribution of content. So Cooper asks, why keep it at all once you know it's false? Now, he's coming from the perspective of a reporter, and she's coming from the perspective of someone who wants to sell stuff. Yeah. It's pretty much what it is. Bickert said, we think it's important for people to make their own informed choice about what to believe. (laughs) Nothing is true and everything's possible, in other words. Even though we know that this isn't true, we want you to make up your mind about whether it's true. Right. It's Once outrageous. the content exists, Facebook supports it as a tool to get more content. Right. All these things are because what she's doing. you're now because we're talking about it because it's fake and everyone wants to know what a fake video looks like. Yeah. On some level, you want to see to contrast it with what you think you know to be real. Yeah. So you're driving people there, and this is a tremendously strong argument. I sound like Trump when I did that, didn't I? Tremendous strong strong argument as to what as to why tech needs to be regulated this is a this is a strong argument for the regulation of the tech industry i don't know it's a strong argument for something i I don't know exactly where what we do with this Uh, she goes on to say bickert did the conversation on facebook on twitter offline as well is about the video being manipulated 
So we're in this conversation yes. now. Bickert also responded, as evidenced by my appearance today, this is the conversation. So that's what's important to Facebook. Yeah. So the conversation is not about what Pelosi said or the Mueller report or what a jackass Trump is or how we're putting tariffs on Mexico. The conversation is about Facebook not having ethics and just throwing crap out there to let you figure out what you're going to say about it. It's a distraction. Yes, yes, exactly. The purpose of Facebook is not to be right or wrong. It's to push content and distract you. That's right. That's why, again, there has to be some regulations, just like you can't start screaming obscenities on KUCI or on a, a ne national network. You can't start s saying things that are patently untrue uh, without being called on them. That's why Facebook, while it claims it's, it shouldn't be regulated because it's not a newspaper or a television station, is in fact a content provider, and it has some responsibility for providing for the public trust. No, don't call it a news feed. Call it a feed trough. Yeah. Don't put the word news in your news feed. It's, it's not news. It's not as if Facebook and Twitter and Instagram don't censor information that's coming through their platforms. They do. They censor out terrorist uh, videos, porn, things like that, which will drive away advertisers. Speaking of not truth, it was reported that Dr. Young Hai Chi, a lecturer at the University of Oxford, believes that aliens are already here on Earth and they are inbreeding with humans. <laughs> Sorry, Mahler. Sorry, Nick, maybe the next round of aliens will want to breed with you and your girlfriend. Really? I think so. He says, Chi says, that there is a very strong link between the climate crisis and recent alien abductions. Chi said, there are four types of aliens, small, tall and bold, aliens with scales and snake eyes, and insect-like aliens. Now remember, this is a lecturer at Oxford University. Mm-hmm. The insect aliens, he said, are the ones giving the orders. <laughs> yeah, Mahler. See, this is why Mahler was howling. He's been given orders. All right. All right. Uh, and there are three possible reasons why they're here on Earth. One possibility is that they find our DNA valuable for the preservation of the stock. That's what Chi says. Yeah. Secondly, to create species which can survive in the future climate conditions. Thirdly, yeah. some abductees report that these hybrids are a very high intelligence. This is, sounds like Trump now. So they are producing these hybrids as a problem solver, a future leader, maybe. That's what Ooh, she thinks. Yeah. In the past, she mm. argued that the breeding program was meant to save humans from extinction. Okay. He went on to say that if the human race acts on climate change now, not only can we save ourselves but we can prove aliens wrong in their judgment of our moral capacity. That's an incentive, Mike, well, <laughs> for people who actually don't believe the science. Yeah. They might want to impress some aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, show them. Sort of, yeah. And finally. And finally. And finally. You have something to say there, Mike? No, I You're think I'm good. You're holding the mic. I, I know. No, I'm just, I'm, the I, mic when I am in rapt attention and I can't wait to hear what you're going to say next. Thank you. And finally, Ark Encounter, the Christian theme park in Kentucky with a replica of Noah's Ark, sued its insurance company for damages related to slightly above average rainfall. 
You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.